Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. It is shocking to me to think that that would even be on the table right now. If we're really at that point in our understanding of what sexual abuse is, there's a big problem. There's a big communication problem in the Vatican. An unprecedented summit on clergy sexual abuse is now over. But some survivors are skeptical with how the church says it plans to move forward. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. Let's go back to February 20th, 2019. An unprecedented meeting happened this morning between bishops and survivors of alleged clergy sexual abuse. Twelve survivors from around the world are urging the Catholic Church to have a zero-tolerance policy for abuse. Leona Huggins, a survivor of clergy sex abuse and a global advocate from Vancouver, Canada, joins us from Rome. Leona, you were in that meeting. Were you satisfied with responses you received? No, we we weren't really satisfied. I asked, um, what would we see on Monday when the summit is finished? And what I was told was that they would begin work. They would have a lot of work to do. As global advocates, we've been at this for many years, for 30 years. And so it's important to recognize that the work should be ongoing. You've actually met Leona Huggins before on this podcast. Remember, we spoke to her last August when the findings from the Pennsylvania Inquiry first came out. Predators in every diocese weaponized the Catholic faith and used it as a tool of their abuse. That's when we learned with definitive proof that more than 300 Catholic priests sexually abused more than 1,000 children. As the report reads... We should emphasize that while the list of priests is long, we don't think we got them all. We feel certain that many victims never came forward. Over 1,000 child victims were identified by our investigation, though the grand jury notes that they believe that number was in the thousands. So before we hear from Leona about her experience visiting the Vatican, coming face-to-face with church officials and telling them her story, let's rewind the clock a little bit to when Leona first told us her story. Here's part of the episode that we recorded together last August. And it starts when she first told us about the priest who abused her, Father Jack McCann. I remember the day he came to our school. He was different. He was funny and 
silly and I was I was a year younger in school so probably a little bit more immature than the others and and and, and it, his silliness kind of just really connected with me because I'd never seen anyone be silly like that that was also a priest and he came to the to the church to tell that the school was closing there was a lot of anger that the school was closing um, my parents were really angry i remember my my mccann came over to our house and my dad saying you're nothing but a pr person for the oblates and and i didn't understand there was this conflict in me how can how can he be this priest but my dad's mad at him and it was it was really a conflicting thing and and he was so nice so how could my dad be mad at him um and during that time he would come and visit our house we were a block away from the the church he dropped in whenever he'd come with his guitar he'd play his guitar and sing songs and he'd buy us pizza often (laughs) friday nights it was just really cool it was just this different energy in our home and slowly over time he he embedded himself in our family then my 19-year-old brother died suddenly of a heart attack. And McCann came, I remember the Saturday after my brother died, and he came over to say, um, hey, he was helping my mom out, taking the kids out for a ride. And, um, and, and he would take us, he just would take us out for drives. And then there was, you know, the day that he got me all by myself. So at the point when he crossed the line... I was paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And my response was to freeze. Um, I knew that I couldn't say anything to my parents. So I had to make myself bad, and I had to make him good. And it's, it's a big, if I can say it, mind f- <laughs> for a 13-year-old. Um, he isolated me, and the... The abuse lasted a long time and was really hard to disentangle from. I can imagine that it would be hard to disentangle from that because my understanding of of sexual abuse as it pertains to the church is that it's not just a physical violation. It's a spiritual violation as well. It sounds like these priests, you know, they get so involved in the entire lives of their victims, in their school lives, in their family lives, in their home lives, in their spiritual lives. And it's just all a part of that manipulation process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why did the abuse eventually stop? The abuse stopped because I got too old. I got too aware. And I was probably not of interest to him anymore. He couldn't control me. Leona didn't speak out about her abuse for years. She went on to be a teacher, and as a teacher, she took a course about sexual abuse and what signs to watch out for. That's when she was able to really define what had happened to her. Plus, on top of that, the final straw is when she found out that Father McCann, the same priest that had abused her, was working in ministry with youth again. I knew that I had a responsibility to report. So I, I might have done it differently, but at that point in time, I wrote a statement. It was hard. It took me three weeks. I remember lying in my bed going, I can't do this. I can't do this. I have to do this. I can't do this. I can't. I'd get a word written and then I'd... It was painful, painstaking. But I knew that I had to do it. 
I knew that I started to recognize and understand about the patterns of this. And I recalled conversations he had with me about other girls and times where he would take me to places and, and, and have me meet these other girls. So I had these names and I put them on the, on the statement to the police and I walked into the police station on my own. I was heard. They arrested him that weekend, I believe, and they discovered other victims. Do you know how many other victims? There was one that was, um, so, so that went to up through the preliminary hearing. He pled guilty just before the trial. Um, so there were two of us that, that the charges came to. There was one other victim that just couldn't, she wasn't in a position where she could come forward at that time. So I believe there are still many victims out there, people that just based on the pattern, based on who he was and how he operated, um, there's people that are holding on to to stories and and shame that isn't theirs to have. At the time I went forward, I was 100% sure that there were no victims after me. He was older, right? There were no victims after me. I I was 100% sure. I am now 100% sure there were victims after me. How are you so sure? Social media. Every time that something goes out in media, it, it it's, my phone rings and somebody, I can tell with this hesitancy that they've picked up the phone and they and they've been carrying this secret for so long and they're so careful because they don't want to hurt anyone in saying it. And it's like, is it, is, is this priest on a list somewhere? No one's, no one's keeping lists except for maybe in the secret archives of the churches. I often hear, I told this person or I told this person or, um, People are, are saying that they've told, but they weren't heard. Coming up later in this episode, Leona goes to Rome for a historic summit on clergy abuse. This is her chance to tell Vatican officials face-to-face what happened to her. But was she actually heard? You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast. Download and subscribe online now. A wake-up call to act and look in the eyes of one of the worst crises the church has ever experienced. I'm Chico Harlan, the Washington Post's Rome Bureau Chief, and I'm here at Vatican City for the first day of Pope Francis's landmark four-day summit on clerical sexual abuse. This is the first time that any pontiff uh, in the history of the Roman Catholic Church has gathered uh, the bishops from across the world, the leaders of the Episcopal conferences, to discuss this topic. And Francis is doing this under enormous pressure. You could say that this is perhaps the most uh, high, high pressure moment of his papacy. There's only one reason you're here. Only one, to get them to stop doing this to kids. You're in Rome, tell me the mood among survivors. We are hopeful that on Monday morning, we hear someone will have the courage to take decisive action. 
if this summit ends and the Pope doesn't implement full-on zero tolerance, then what? I would say, Francis, this, this is the moment, this is your time. Clean up your church, get rid of the pedophiles, do it, and do it now. speaking to the mic just right. Okay. Is that good? Yes, it's good. Perfect. Leona, thanks for joining me back in studio again. Thanks for having me, Nikki. You've come back from Rome, and, and just a moment ago we were talking about what the media coverage was like there compared to what the media coverage in Canada is like. What did you experience there that's different from here? Well, in Rome, it was shocking. From the moment that we came out, we held the first press conference I couldn't believe, I've never been in a media scrum like that. And um, what we heard from the police was this, the only time they've ever had that much press there is when a Pope is elected. So there was a lot of media focus on the papal summit and it being important. I was inundated, basically didn't have time to get over jet lag. It was reporter after reporter after reporter asking for interviews. We were having to turn reporters down. So to come back home and then... You know, I'd posted on Facebook and and Twitter and people had commented within my own circle, but others had no idea that this was even going on. And I saw, yeah, there was um, one really good article I felt, uh, a Canadian press article that was in the National Post, but it was was sort of relegated to a side column that you could hardly see, no photo or anything. And yet there were media spreads all over in Spain, Germany, Mexico, Ecuador that we were being fed. So... It was just interesting to come back and see why is there not the media interest here. And have you come to any conclusions on that? Why you're not getting the same media coverage here in Canada that you you got overseas? I wonder if people just wish that this issue was finished. I wonder if it doesn't sell newspapers. I wonder if the people who who buy newspapers are more conservative and church-going people that don't want to hear about this. Um, and yet they would be the ones that most need to hear that this is still going on and that the issue hasn't been properly addressed. You went to the Vatican in hopes that the issue would finally be addressed in a big way. And that summit was unprecedented. What was it like for you when you were representing Canada as the only Canadian who spoke to the organizing committee? I was pretty honored to be there. And yet I also felt the the night before the ECA organization that I'm part of ending clergy abuse, we had a meeting with the other people from ECA that were invited in the room. And I felt really bad because one of my colleagues, my ECA colleagues, Evelyn Korkmaz is an Indigenous survivor. She wasn't invited into that room. And so I was stuck with this conflict of wanting to be there, knowing that only 12 had been invited and appreciating the privilege of that, but also recognizing that that privilege wasn't afforded to my Indigenous colleague. Um, I didn't have control over who was invited. And so I went in there and we, ha- Evelyn and I had a chat and she got to say what she wanted to say in the press conferences she had and understood how the meeting was organized. But it just goes to the lack of planning and foresight that needed to be in that meeting. It feels like it was an add-on, last-minute call. 
we know of the sexual abuse that occurred in the residential school systems in Canada. We know that. Does the Vatican not understand the importance of what those survivors have gone through and not think that their voices are worthy of being heard? That That's what was offensive to me in many ways. And I did make sure that as I spoke, as I, it was only an hour and a half and there were 12 of us to share. We didn't all have a lot of time, but we really wanted to make sure that the message of those that we represented was there. And so I did address that issue that we are still expecting an apology for the Indigenous schools and we were expecting the $25 million that the Pope had promised and we're asking him to keep his promise. Now, leaving that summit, what kind of impressions do you get about what the future of clergy abuse eradication may be? Well, we got the 21 reflection points on Thursday. What are the 21 reflection points? They came out of the, they, I guess this was what they were using for the discussion over the four days. And the very first one said, create a handbook. Now, there are many handbooks on dealing with sexual abuse. It is shocking to me to think that that would even be on the table right now. If we're really at that point in our understanding of what sexual abuse is, there's a big problem. There's a big communication problem in the Vatican. That does seem shocking that they are still trying to define what sexual abuse is. Yeah. Um, but they have many examples to cite from. I think they have many examples to cite from. And there's still, there still seems to be some parsing of, well, what is? is? Is the holding of child rape images, I mean, they call it child porn, but that in itself is a euphemism. Those are child rape images. Should a priest still be in ministry? To me, in the Pope's statement that he released after on Monday, he talked about the church being a moral authority. I don't understand how somebody could preach from the pulpit a moral authority and still think it's okay to possess child rape images. Do you think that after everything the church has been through, that the Catholic Church still has the right to define itself as a moral authority? Absolutely not. No. Until they take a really good look at the rot that is in the church, the absolute rot that is in the church... Uh, it was sad. At the vigil, one of our 22-year-old members of Ending Clergy Abuse came forward and shared his story to the media. I came forward with my abuse in 1992. There was someone in the meeting who said, Leona, my abuse happened six years after that statement by the Canadian Catholic bishops. And then Sandro, who came forward at the vigil, his abuse happened 20 years after that. There needs to be a much more concerted effort if, if the church really means and wants to rid itself of sexual abuse and of people who would c- commit these crimes. There needs to be direct action. There needs to be, first of all, an action plan. And there needs to be a decisive penalty for anybody who abuses a child. Walking away from that meeting, do you get the impression that the church is committed to protecting survivors or to protecting itself? I think it's still trying to protect itself. And that's, we, we were hopeful going in. I believe there are some voices within the church. There are some good voices that want to make the change. But anyone that I spoke to before, I said, you need to go into that meeting and take courageous action. 
Now, if the Pope had said, if you can't go home on Monday and promise me that you are going to make sure that the children under your care are safe, that you're going to remove anyone who would harm one of my children. Isn't that what a father would say? I mean, he's called the Pope, Papa. A father would say, you don't get to harm my children. And so you need to remove anyone that would. And that seems a simple thing to do. Walk out of the room if you can't do that. Hand in your resignation now. Where does the future of the crisis go from here? We need to continue to speak out. We need to continue to tell our stories. I'd love to stop telling my story. <laughs> I really would. It's not, But as long as there are Alessandros in this world, I'm going to keep telling my story. There was this powerful moment where um, we had a media event um, and it, we invited the media to listen in as we told our stories. And I told my story and Alessandro was on the other side of the table and he just reached over and held my hands and he said, we need to keep telling our stories. And because he knows that there are other little ones being harmed. He, he knows at 22, in his wisdom, just as I knew when I was 29, that it's only our stories and keeping speaking out that's going to make anyone take action. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, thank you for, for your tireless advocacy and for once again sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. The first time that I spoke to Leona, she said to me that whenever she tells her story in the media, that somebody, without fail, calls her up or sends her an email and says, what you just described when you told your story, that happened to me too. Well, we aired that conversation that I just had with Leona, that update, on our radio show in Vancouver. And after we did, we got this call from a listener, just like Leona predicted. Not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Uh, regarding your story, um, uh, horrific story about this lady that went through the sexual abuse with the priest. Um, what a life! Um, it, 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 it really creates a lot of damage. Uh, my two sisters in the fifties were um, sexually abused uh, as a young young child by a priest uh, we the only way we could we, we grew up in a small farm the only way we could get away from this guy was run and hide uh, my mother uh, she she went to the authorities nothing got done in the end she uh, to protect us children she and decided she better sell the farm and get out of that uh, community, which she did. Unbeknownst, who makes the offer on the farm? The Oblate Fathers. And put pressure on her to sell the farm at a low, low price. Well, luckily enough, she had the uh, uh, the the energy uh, to uh, to uh, uh, stick it out. And she did finally get a, a better price. But uh, how how these things affect one's lives? Uh, you know, I, I see how it's affected my two sisters. It's just it's just terrible. 
just terrible. And nothing gets done, right? That's the other crusher. Pope Francis says the Roman Catholic Church should fight an all-out battle against sex abuse. He addressed nearly 200 bishops and senior leaders at the end of a four-day meeting. The Vatican said it would publish a guidebook for bishops that will help them understand their duties and tasks on abuse. Nikki Batiste is in Rome with some disappointed reaction. Nora, we spoke with three clergy abuse survivors today. They want to know why the Catholic Church has still not laid out concrete steps to stop child sex abuse. How are you feeling after hearing the Pope's speech? I don't think our children are any safer now than four days ago. What would you say to survivors and victims listening who might be disappointed by this summit? It's a long journey. Don't give up. Stay united and we will get this done to protect all children of the world. In the time since February's summit, Cardinal George Pell of Australia has been convicted for sexually abusing two youths. French Cardinal Philippe Barberin has been handed a six-month suspended sentence for failing to report allegations of sexual abuse of minors by a priest. And in Costa Rica, police raided Roman Catholic Church offices to search for information about a priest accused of sexual abuse. Justice systems around the world continue to hand down sentences for priests who abuse children. But survivors are left to wonder what punishment the church will administer to its own. What's one word you would use to describe how this summit went? Shortfall. Disappointing. Start. This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast from Global News. You can download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review. Tell your friends about the show as well. We're on Twitter at This Is Why, and you can always send us an email. This is why at CuriousCast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.